0: Hey, everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another episode of this podcast where we just kind of use stories from. I don't know, just all kinds of different stories, but we sort of like to divide them up into the good and the bad. That's why it's called Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, right? So we start out with a, it's kind of like a true crime story, but we try to use that to facilitate good conversation and talk about healthcare issues, especially nursing issues. So that's what this podcast is all about. And I always have a guest host who's also either a nurse or in, the, in, in healthcare in some way. And today... I have Karen Weidlick, who is also known as, on social media, the Wound Care Nurse, or Wound Care Karen. And she also has a podcast called Wound Care Karen, a Nursing Podcast. So, welcome, Karen. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tina. I'm, I'm
1: doing a little fangirling right now because you're you're my mentor, you're the reason I started my podcast, and I've followed your advice ever since, so... Here we are now.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. That is wonderful. I'm re- I love hearing that. I've, I wanna see, I want to I want to hear more podcasts for nurses out there done by nurses, you know, that we can listen to and encourage each other and teach each other. I just think it's such a healthy thing for us to be conversing in this way and and, and sharing our expertise and knowledge. Yes. I just love it. I agree. Getting the right the the information area. out there. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So for the we're going to talk about this absolute doozy of a story to begin with. But whenever we get through the bad doctor story, we will talk actually about Karen and her uh, podcast and her social media campaign that she does, and all of the things that she's involved with. So super excited to get to talk to her about that whenever we get to the good nurse portion. But I guess we need to start off with this crazy, crazy story. You guys are never going to believe this. I don't know. I say this a lot. I feel like I say this all the time because I know this stuff gets crazy. But when I say this is unbelievable, I am absolutely not exaggerating.
1: I agree. Buckle up, folks, because this is a a bumpy
0: ride. Yes, it is. so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile are you looking to take your career to the next level? Consider enrolling in the Doctor of Nursing Practice Program at UC Irvine. The program offers a post-master's track for MSN-prepared nurses and a family nurse practitioner track for those with at least a BSN. Their program, of course, is fully accredited and their graduates are highly sought after by healthcare organizations across the country. If you're ready to take the next step in your nursing career, I encourage you to explore UCI Irvine's DNP program today. Visit nursing.uci.edu to learn more and, of course, we'll put a link on our website and you can access it at goodnursebadnurse.com. So for today's bad doctor story, this is a deeply chilling and twisted tale. It unfolds from the quiet town of Spokane, Washington. A trusted doctor's sinister double life hidden behind the anonymity of the dark web has been exposed. Ronald Craig Ilg, A prominent 56-year-old neonatologist from Spokane led a life that few people would have suspected. On January 24th in 2023, a courtroom revelation shook the community to its core. He apparently, Karen, this is insane, and it's just the absolute craziest story Mm -hmm, ever. It is. But decided to delve into the shadows of the dark web. I always wonder what in the world, how do you even get on the dark <laughs> web? <laughs> oh my goodness. But I don't want to know. I really don't. Same. Know. I, I have to <laughs> I have to google some weird stuff as it is to try to get for, like for these stories. I do not want to delve. Sometimes I I worry that right I'm somehow accidentally wind up there, but no. <laughs> So, but he—he that's where that's where he went was to the dark web and started orchestrating these harrowing plots that targeted not not just one person but multiple people, and even those closest to him. It's absolutely unbelievable. So he used this alias, this sort of enigmatic alias, Scar Two Fifteen, and then he. Also, had I think it was a passcode or something called Mufasa, and then there were like two dollar signs. I don't know. Right. That's just
1: yeah. So, they said cool. that was because of his fascination with big cats with lions. And oh. So, that's from Lion oh, so King. So, Scar
0: from yes, if that makes yes. sense. Yes, yeah, yes. And that that's that just make sense.
1: where the weirdness begins. That's for sure.
0: I know. I mean, really, that's kind of. It's sort of weird to think about the things that he was trying to do, mm-hmm. and then using these characters from a Disney movie. Yes,
1: characters the, that weren't children that weren't so kind to each other. Yes, right. And the more we get into right. this, I I think we'll understand. I'm like, oh wow, he really mm-hmm. was traitorous to his own family,
0: like Scar was, you know. <laughs> yes. So he had over. He had over $60,000 in bitcoin that he, that actually changed hands in order to try to accomplish what he was trying to accomplish here. I mean, you kind of have to wonder I, I don't know what $60,000 of bitcoin I I'm, I'm not sure how that translates over into US dollars, but I would imagine it's a lot of money. And I, I don't think it would be equivalent. I think
1: it might be equivalent. I think it's $60,000, but the but the neat no. thing is the trick is that it's more or less untraceable, I believe. It's hmm. better than going to the bank and taking out cash and then taking, you know, a bag of cash down to Mexico and or writing a check which are, you know, very very traceable. I think he was using hmm. Bitcoin in order to hide this activity. I think it's easier to hide this t- this type of payment if I understand correctly.
0: Okay. So it's it's essentially just, it's cash. It's just a way to kind of filter it through. Exactly. So that it's not traced. Yes, I, uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. okay. I guess that does make sense. At any rate, I don't, you know, the, the price on a human life, I don't think $60,000 is anywhere near, but people have absolutely done it for a whole lot less. Mm-hmm. We've done those stories mm-hmm. on this podcast. So the first thing he tried to have done was aimed at a fellow doctor. And the instructions he gave were very specific. He wanted severe injuries, especially to the doctor's hands.
1: It made me wonder
0: if she was a surgeon, maybe, or I, mm-hmm. I right? Did you think that also? That's what I, because, yeah, why else would you target their hands? I mean, doctors need their hands to, to to work, whether they're a surgeon or not. But specifically, if you're targeting their hands, I feel like they're they almost would have to have been a surgeon. That's
1: what made me think because it, his it, exact instructions were to quote, injure both hands significantly or break the hands. Like it was Good very life. specific. So I, I yeah. thought, wow, that's really odd. Either they had something going on between them that had to do with her hands or, or she was a, a surgeon or needed her hands to practice in some way. That's the only thing yeah. I can think of.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, it's, it's, sick and twisted mm-hmm. I, I know that for sure mm-hmm. and if as if that wasn't disturbing enough he had another person on his list his estranged wife he tried to hire someone to kidnap her and not only kidnap her so you you'd think oh so kidnap her and kill her or you know what is that what you're trying to do no he wanted them to inject her with heroin I I, I don't Man, why? I know I can't That's follow this just, either. <laughs> I
1: don't understand his thought process to kidnap yeah. her, kidnap her, and inject her with heroin quote mm-hmm. so that so that then she would drop her divorce proceedings against him. Like, yeah. what, what would make right. him think that
0: that somehow because she was afraid that she would that would somehow coerce her back? into a relationship with him.
1: How narcissistic I, must he be then to think, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'll have my ex-wife or, you know, strange wife kidnapped, injected with heroin to to force her to come back to me. That that mm-hmm. just that just blows my mind. The, the level of narcissism involved in that. Yes. And what was the end game? Like <laughs> live together forever happily? Like what?
0: <laughs> and I mean, if you want your wife to come back to you, wouldn't you think they love the, the that person or at least I I don't think this is real love. It seems like some sort of, you know, controlling issues here, but but to want something horrible like that to to happen to her, but then to want her back, just to try to get her back. How can you want someone to be your wife and be with you and, you know, And at the same time, not care that yes, she's going to be in the care of someone who's willing to do these things, risking obviously risking her life because she could die. Of you know, who knows what could go Mm -hmm. wrong, even of an overdose or any. Because not only did he ask them to inject her, but he also offered bonuses if. Certain heinous goals were met during the kidnapping. So I think it's as if, you know, he just was willing to risk her life in order to have this carried out so that she would come back to him. I can't even imagine the thought process there.
1: I, I agree. Yeah. It was some sort of bonus structure he had set up like to incentivize, I guess, the his hired hitmen. Mm-hmm. Some of those bonuses included like, you know, if she'll drop the divorce proceedings, you'll get a bonus. If she agrees to have sex with me three times a week, you'll get a bonus. Some of it involved something about her dog and then also her father. Again, just like different bonuses attached if certain stipulations were met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just crazy.
0: Uh, I, I have no idea how anyone could, could think something like this was going to work. I mean, I do enough of these stories to know that there are horrible people in the world who will, who do terrible things to people mm-hmm. who are completely just, they don't care about someone else's life. They're very selfish. Even get some sort of enjoyment out of hurting other people. So I, I don't pretend to be shocked by someone wanting to hurt someone else, because goodness knows I've, I've seen too many of those stories. But this just doesn't make any Mm-mm. sense. No, it doesn't. It just sense. really doesn't. Mm-mm. There's no way to make it make sense <laughs> to have someone who is intelligent enough to go through medical school, to become a neonatologist, you know, and for those of you, there are p- some people listen to this, and they don't—they're not in healthcare, and they may not know, or you may be in healthcare and don't know what a neonatologist is. They're just someone who specializes in caring for premature babies or newborns with high risk—you know, or complex health conditions. The, these babies would be, you know, in a in a NICU or a neonatal intensive care unit. Right. And so it's so- a
1: it's a, like a subspecialty of pediatrics, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. So this would have required extra years of training and residency and mm-hmm. neonatologists, they're at the top of their game. I mean, this is, yeah. these aren't any, they're not fooling around, you know? So yes, he definitely has to have a high level of intelligence to achieve mm-hmm. that kind of career for sure.
0: Yeah. And I know that just because these things were done doesn't necessarily mean he is going to do something else, but is this the kind of person that you would want, you know, making decisions, making medical decisions, diagnosing and and ordering interventions, ordering medications for your baby right, right
1: and And honestly, his I guess
0: his job, his career,
1: The state of it had something to do with his actions here, from what he told the judge later on. Because I think in December of 2020, he was brought into an HR, human resources investigation, at his job. And so he it cost him his job. He was let go. He claims Mm. that was because of his sexual proclivities. Just to backtrack, he and the wife, they were married in 2016. And then in 2018, he invited a second woman come and live in this polyamorous relationship. And the wife says, you know, in the beginning, she went along with it, you know, for the sake of the marriage. And he liked the dominant submissive lifestyle, BDSM, essentially. And again, like I said, the wife claims, you know, of course, she, she went along with it in the beginning, it was okay, it was adventurous, etc. But she eventually tired of that. So, so around the end of 2020 she was kind of looking to get out of the marriage at the same time i think something happened at work may- and maybe with that colleague i'm i'm not real sure but something happened at mm-hmm. work that brought about his lifestyle which brought him in front of hr and cost him his job and so wow. then by february of 2021 that's when he started making those attempts at having the first victim, you know, something done to her hands. And then in March and April of 2021, that's also when then he planned the whole kidnapping of the estranged wife deal. So clearly he was spiraling here. You know, a a lot was going on in in his life and he wasn't making great life choices at this point, right?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. We all know that when we're taking any medication or supplement, dosage matters, and it's important to take enough to get the desired result. For example, only taking a 10 milligram Tylenol might not help with your headache. Well, the same is true for CBD. If you try a low dose CBD product, you may not feel anything. But it's not the CBD's fault. The dosage is the problem. This is why CBD Stat only makes high dose CBD products that actually work. And now their products are getting even stronger. CBD Stat is happy to announce that they're launching a new extra strength version of its highly popular topical products that have 7,500 milligrams of CBD. affordable. And don't forget, all you healthcare workers out there, get a special additional discount to help keep you strong. Just head to cbdstat.care forward slash healthcare and find your new secret weapon. That's cbdstat.care forward slash healthcare. Yeah, and, the, you know, the noose begins to tighten over time. FBI, they're hot on his trail. They start unlayering all of the deception all the manipulation obstruction of justice all sorts of things they unearthed his desperate attempts to cover his tracks even using emotional manipulation on a critical witness and in a jaw-dropping twist he had the audacity to seek to capitalize on all this through potential book or movie deals sick sick sick. really yeah
1: yeah so so in April of 2021, when he was trying to set up this deal with the 60,000 of Bitcoin, he actually traveled to Mexico to, you know, firm up the deal. He was going to meet with the apparently it was a Mexican tar- cartel that he was hiring, right? That he found on the dark mm-hmm. web. <laughs> and so he and and the girl he talked the girlfriend into going with him. So she's the, you know, the third person in this marriage, so to speak. She went with him. Mm-hmm. She was aware of. Of his attempts, texts later on in court show that, that, show that in the beginning she was aware and they got into some fight down in Mexico. I, she found his burner phone is what happened and she thought he was fooling around when really it was, he was using the burner phone to go on the dark web and pay the Bitcoin and hire these guys and everything. So they had a big fight. And as the fight was calming down, this is how much control he had over the girlfriend. He made her sign a slave contract. And this is how sick he is. He made her sign a slave contract such that, quote, she agrees. This this slave agrees to any punishment. Master can do whatever he chooses. And he made her sign it in her blood. Oh. Yes. Yes. So again, that's how sick and twisted he is, and that's how much power he had over these women. That's how manipulative he was. Now, little did he know, girlfriend was still friends with his estranged wife, because remember, they were in a triangular relationship, right? right? So she was actually still speaking to the wife, and she actually gave her a heads up. She texted her at some point. I don't know whether they were still in Mexico or on their way back, but she warned her. She was one of the whistleblowers in this case. She warned her that hubby was putting a hit out on her, well, a kidnapping hit. So that helped the wife go to the FBI. And and another whistleblower, and I love this, there was an international news organization, and they were investigating dark web right just like what is it what goes on here and and they saw this they picked up his thread you know that he was looking to hire someone to you know hurt someone's hands and then to kidnap his wife and they're following this thread and they were able to also again notify the FBI so so i don't know whether it was just one of those cases or the or maybe the FBI hearing both of those about and they're like oh, okay What's going on here? So I love mm-hmm. that. to me, they're they're two of the heroes in the story is the this girlfriend, and, of course, these investigative journalists. they They didn't have to say anything. they're just they're just doing their job. But thankfully, they alerted the FBI because can you imagine if if this if they had gone through with this? These were sick crimes he was planning. You know? So fortunately, the FBI caught him. They actually caught him on the way back from Mexico. I love this. I'm sure he was all mm-hmm. tanned and, you know, wearing a Hawaiian mm-hmm. shirt and steps off the airplane. And they, and the FBI, yep. and of course, at this time, it's just an interview. You know, they haven't arrested him yet. But during that interview, he actually had the nerve to say, Oh, no, no, no. I was just hiring the hitman uh, to kill me. Just right. to kill me. I Oh, <laughs> exactly. yes, I wanted to unalive myself. So that's why I was hiring mm-hmm. them. Just to try sure. and throw them off the scent.
0: <laughs> oh, was that all? Okay. Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: My mistake.
1: <laughs> the nerve. Yeah. But then, mm-hmm. and, and then right after that interview, he honestly did try to unalive himself. He took a bottle of pills or something. He was in the hospital for a week. But as he was, when he was getting discharged from the hospital, that's when they truly arrested him. So that made him even matter because they quote, oh, what did he tell the judge? Oh, and this is quotes. They paraded me through that hospital, and I've worked there 20 years, and it was
0: very embarrassing. thought, yeah, "Well,
1: buddy, you brought this on yourself.
0: Exactly. It's really hard to... How, does he really expect someone to empathize with him, to, to feel sorry for him, to be absolutely outraged that they didn't somehow sneak him out the back, you know, to save his reputation? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's
1: play play stupid games, win stupid prizes, people. I mean, yeah, come that's what on. they say.
0: So, and even after he was arrested, you know, after they apprehended him, he sought to manipulate the narrative. And he tried to influence a key witness and proposed marriage to the witness and basically trying to control her testimony then, because if they were married, you know, that's not the first time that's been done in in history. But then he tried to convince her that his wife had done all of this and was framing him. So it's like, oh, I... I didn't do this. Okay, I did it, but I was actually trying to hire somebody to target me myself. You know, and it's really if you stop and think about the the specific things that he was asking them to do, mm-hmm. you're you were trying to hire someone to beat you up and ruin your hands. You were tr- which and which you, there are two different things here. Was it one or both, or you also wanted them to kidnap you and inject you with heroin? And that just doesn't add up. This is—I'm sorry, but it's
1: no. But it makes but no sense. Isn't it a classic, you know, narcissistic move? Is you know to to push the blame, right? They're they're always the victim, right? They're never the villain. It's never them, right? So yeah, he's just trying to create a smokescreen. screen. and it wasn't me. I'm just the victim. So yeah, the, mm-hmm. this witness that he. It was the girlfriend that he wrote to. Apparently, when, when they sent him to jail, he was a very prolific writer, and he wrote a, lot, wrote a lot of letters. And he wrote to the girlfriend and asked her to marry him so that she wouldn't have to testify against him. He also offered to help pay tuition for her kids to go to a, a private, really nice elite school. He also asked her to burn the letters. Little did he know that she was the canary, right? Singing in the coal mine. I love it. He also he wrote letters to a third woman. This was he called her his fiance. Now this is not the girlfriend and not the estranged wife. This is the third woman he wrote. This is a fiance. And he wrote to her and he actually suggested selling his story for film or a book and mm-hmm. he said it would be the next 50 shades of gray but on steroids. Oh my gosh. I mean he's like he was so what proud of world. himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, He's really sick. I think that some people think they they can control what people think about them by just continuing to talk. They just—it's <laughs> it, as if anything that they say, they think the person listening to them will just believe everything, and so they're somehow going to make you believe what they're saying and. Therefore, they're controlling, you know, they're, you're, he's controlling their impression of him by doing that. And this, I don't know what else to call it other than completely delusional.
1: Right. But I totally, totally agree. Uh, he was quoted saying in court, uh, he said, quote, Your honor, I was a broken man. Yeah. And that's what he said. In court. Mm-hmm. Again, just looking for sympathy and for a lighter sentence and amazing. He he was facing like eight charges, including cyber stalking and attempted kidnapping, mm-hmm. witness tampering. But he he eventually made a plea deal, and so he was yep. pled guilty to two charges: threats using interstate commerce. So,
0: yeah, and he the judge they're limited in what they can do, and I, I feel like when th- these things come out and and find out that someone was actually trying to kill another person or or well maybe not kill them but you were trying to have something done to them that could absolutely have cost them their life. So when you you do that you to me I would think that person would need to be charged with, you know, attempted murder or something like that because that's what they intended and I, I don't understand it but they most of the time the Punishment doesn't, to me, quite fit the crime. I, I the agree. judge gave him, nine, yeah, I mean, ninety six months in federal federal prison, which was the the maximum sentence. But then, I mean he did have to it, it, because he was saying he wasn't guilty, and I I I get it that they don't want to have to go through a trial. They don't have to put the victims through that whole process. And there's always the chance that this prominent doctor is going to somehow woo the jury or at least one of them into not convicting him and then he gets no punishment from it yes i agree so i I, it's not that i don't understand it all but that somebody willing to do something like this is very dangerous and it's it's scary you know to think of it but you know what he's got an opportunity now to be in prison for his 96 months and or however long he ends up spending of it and who knows, people, people, I do believe in people, you know, reforming and people getting better and, and doing, learning better, doing better, changing. I, I, I believe that. You can't know what someone's going to do. And I, mm-hmm. I, do, I do believe that they should be, they should have to suffer the consequences of their actions. I, I do believe that. So he was also, in addition to the 96 uh, months in prison, he was ordered to pay over $25,000 in restitution, also a $100,000 fine. I mean, this is really a somber reminder of the, you know, technology and the, you know, how unpredictable people can be even and right. how we can kind of be fooled, you yeah. know, by, by, by
1: Right, because he he manipulated, you know, at least two women over three years. His his estranged well, now she's his ex wife, of course, and the girlfriend. You know, he he had them doing whatever he wanted for several years, and mm-hmm. there were there were shades of, of domestic violence and and some shades of sexual assault. Apparently, at times he would he would lock the girlfriend up in some dungeon he had, et cetera. Again, just part of his creepy. BDSM proclivities, but yeah, he—he's mm-hmm. a very, very sick man, manipulative man. His ex-wife called it a quote toxic marriage. She said that he was a very manipulative man. That's uh, just just really sick. It, the The more I read into this, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of Tiger King. <laughs> Do you remember that Netflix show?
0: Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> because of all the yes. twists and turns. Just when I thought it couldn't get crazier. Then I yeah
0: the bizarre yes, details
1: yes and just an, mm-hmm. another twist and another twist and it, each time he just mm-hmm. seemed to jump the shark and just he just went full full on full
0: on crazy mm-hmm. I just I, which and I'm sure that's why he's thinking it would make a great movie I mean it, you could definitely see this being. If nothing else, some sort of true crime, you know, documentary or. I agree. Um, and it, Dateline. As much
1: as I love to listen to those things and, you know, the documentaries or, or even podcasts and stuff, I kind of, I don't want this to be made into a movie because it seems like he wants that, you know? And so, like, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't want to give him the satisfaction, you know, because yeah. then he'll, it'll just puff his chest up more and say, you know, I told you I, this was 50 shades, you know, it's like, ooh, I oh, I don't, I don't want to give him the satisfaction.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time believing that they, any production company would, would put together a movie that, you know, he, he would be proud of because it's, it's not, there's no way to paint him in a good light with all of the details of this. So I, right. but maybe he doesn't care about that. I don't know. I mean,
1: I, I. I'm not sure that bothers him. Again, in his mind, yeah. I think
0: he's, right. you know, a, a Lion King. In his mind,
1: yeah. I think he's, yeah. he thinks he's the greatest. So, yeah. what do they say? Uh, it, no news is bad news or, you know, all all press is good press or something like that. Someone had a oh, quote like no that. No such
0: thing as bad press. Yes, yes, yes. That's true. I think he would. For some people, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yep. I think he would see it as that. hmm
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I think that this is a really good uh, reminder for people about your anonymity. When you, th- if you think you can go on the web, even on the dark web or whatever, whatever it is you're doing, and you're very, very careful, they can find you. Yes. And also, if you're telling other people what you know what you're doing. They're gonna tell on you. I've just, yes. <laughs> just they always tell. It always just drives me crazy. These people just actually think, especially from from jail. You know, they're mm-hmm. talking over a recorded lines. Sometimes some of these people, yeah, and even letters. And and it,
1: I surely, I mean, even I know they they read your letters coming and going in jail. So like to mm-hmm. just say, oh, burn these. No, they're they're Exhibit no. A for the courtroom. Like
0: <laughs> they've already. <laughs> yeah, no, they're. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you are not going to be able to have a private conversation. Everybody's going to tell on you, and you can't be anonymous on the internet. So, just remember that if you decide you want to do something bad, and also stay out of Walmart, people. Stop going to Walmart to get your <laughs> duct tape. This is just <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm just glad that, I mean, this could have been a very, very different story. I'm glad that at least no one actually lost their life. No one was actually hurt. And although I, I think that it would be emotionally disturbing. And I think that I, I wouldn't say actually that they were not hurt, but I think that if if I was his ex-wife, I would, I would have a, a hard time, you know, but just with the understanding that someone that I was married to would be willing, you know, to do. And just the trust factor, you know, being able to trust someone.
1: I agree. I mean, it could have, it, had it gone through, it would have been very, very violent. E- either, either scenario, whether the hands or the kidnapping or both of them, it would have been very, very violent. So I'm so glad again that these whistleblowers came forward. And I, th- I think they're the true mm-hmm. heroes, as well as all the women who testified. You know, so the the estranged wife, the girlfriend, the ex coworker, you know, whose hands he mm-hmm. was going to damage. All all these women got together and testified yeah. in solidarity. And kudos to them because they were very brave in doing that. Again, this was a very yes, manipulative man who, like I said, for at least three years, had these women believing, you know, and doing everything he wanted. So very brave yes. to step forward.
0: I agree 100% very proud of them and and happy that they were able able to do that so I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student so you know I've been doing travel nursing well this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there so one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope and of course Y'all know the Echo technology company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Litman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Litman Core digital stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. If you're like me and you don't want ads interrupting your podcast flow, you can access our episodes ad-free just by becoming a patron. You can also have access to bonus material like episodes being released early, the video footage of me and my guests recording the episode, and a brand new podcast that's offered exclusively to our Patreon subscribers called Breakroom Conversations. Your support will really help us to keep the podcast running smoothly. To learn more, just head on over to our website, goodnursebadnurse.com, and click the link to become a patron. So I guess we can get into the good nurse portion of this show. So Karen, just tell us about, first of all, I want to just say wound care nurses are just amazing. They, I I work, working in the hospital on a step down unit and working, I worked in ICU, but before that I worked in a step down unit and we would have to call our wound care nurses you know for for you know you find a pressure ulcer under someone and or just some, someone comes in with a wound that you're just not quite sure so i am so impressed you know with that expertise it's so specific and and can be very i uh, just really can be confusing as far as like which bandage to use for which wound. So kudos to you and all the wound care nurses, really appreciate you. And t- so tell us what you do with your with your platform.
1: Yes, happy to. So just a little background, I've I've been a registered nurse since 1994, but I've been specializing in wound care specifically since 2003. So for 20 years now I've specialized in wound care. I am certified in it. I'm also certified in hyperbaric medicine. That's when we provide oxygen under pressure and it kind of rides right alongside the wound care. Right before the pandemic in around 2018, it kind of occurred to me that I was teaching the same wound care advice, you know, for at that time it was 15 years and I and and there's so many myths and misunderstandings about wound care. Just in the general community with, with lay people and, and even with nurses and, and doctors, just some misunderstandings. And so that kind of inspired me to start a campaign. I knew I wanted some type of social media campaign. So I started out on YouTube and Facebook, and I created an alter ego, and her name is Wound Care Karen, and she's sassier than I'll ever be. And and I I made videos and just trying to teach people. Um, mostly just the basics of wound care, but, but, at some points, I also get into some advanced wound care and, and hyperbaric knowledge also, just for curiosity. So that's how I got started. And then last year, you held Nurse Creator Con, right? You came to Austin. And I thought, for a while, my friend Massa had been after me. She's like, you have to add podcasting. We, you know, this is just another great platform to get your word across. So I went, I came, I met you in Austin. And That's how I learned how to start podcasting. I read your ebook, so I knew kind of what microphone to buy and, you know, what platform to use and the host, etc. So that's how I learned to add podcasting to it. And it has definitely expanded my audience, so I'm super, super excited. So yeah, I, I call it Wound Care Karen, and my mission is to educate everyone about wound care principles and that's that could be that could mean patients or their loved ones caregivers but also nurses who want to know more or you know physicians nurse practitioners physical therapists etc anyone that wants to know more about wound care because you know i deal with the largest organ in the body right the skin right who, who doesn't have skin and who hasn't gotten a wound you know i mean the audience is just huge So I'm just trying to spread the good word about basic wound care principles. Especially because I would, I would, you know, I'd be watching social social media and I'd see videos or little reels or streams or whatever you want to call them. And I would see bad advice on there. I would see people saying, you know, clean your wound with peroxide or use alcohol. And I'm like, oh no, ah, I'm over here biting, you know, my lip. I'm like, no, please don't do that. Or you don't need to dress your wound. Leave it open to the air. It needs to breathe. And it's, no, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't need to breathe. It needs to be covered. So, so that's the reason I created the campaign, Wound Care Karen. Been going at it ever since.
0: What's the number one misnomer? The one, the number one thing that you see that people get wrong about wound care.
1: The biggest myth is that wounds need to breathe. We should let them scab over because that's the body's natural band-aid. And don't dress a wound, leave it open to the air. And that is a huge, huge myth that was disproved in the 1960s. And so, you know, here we are 60 years later and folks are still doing the practice. And I don't mean lay people. I mean, I mean even some doctors and providers are saying, you know, nope, don't dress it, leave it open to the air. Now, I'm not talking about incisional care. That's different. Incisions can be left open to the air because there's, you know, skin is touching skin. But for true wounds, when when the skin is gone, because our skin is our protector, right? It's our layer of protection that's kind of holding our our jelly inside, right? We're really just bags of jelly, right? <laughs> and, and so when the skin is gone, we need to replace that skin with, with a bandage, with, with something moist and a bandage. So that's the biggest myth. The second biggest myth, though, is what to clean it with. Folks love to use alcohol, peroxide, betadine, Listerine, vinegar, <laughs> they love to use really, really strong things to clean their wound because they hear that it kills germs. And while all those products do kill germs, they also kill good cells. It, mm. You know, they're what we call cytotoxic. It kills cells. Okay. So it just doesn't know the difference. So if you pour alcohol or even peroxide on a wound... Sure, it may kill some germs, but it's also killing good skin cells, tissue cells, anything, you know, if you have a new little baby skin cell trying to grow and you pour alcohol on it, you're going to kill it right off. So it, you will really slow down wound healing by using those things to clean your wound.
0: That's for sure. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. I know there's probably a lot of people going, what? Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for years. So yeah, if you think about it, you're, skin is kind of, it's protecting the inside, everything that's on the inside. And if you have this big gaping wound, then bacteria can get in there and infection. You could go septic, you know, get, you could literally get septic. Yeah. And and it goes uh, both bone ways. Infections.
1: Yeah, not just mm-hmm. bacteria getting in, which you're right, can lead to sepsis, but also your then your drainage is also pouring out. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you touch a doorknob and you shake someone's hand and you use a pen they were using. So there you are spreading all of your, you know, Tina germs to the world. So that's not yeah. nice either. You do right? that. <laughs> so just still a whole nother reason to keep it bandaged. And moist wound care is where it's at. And so I, I like to teach people that your wound should be moist like your eyeball, you know, not, hmm. not dry, not super dry like the desert, but not wet either like an ocean, you know, or ah, it's just so wet and sloppy, but just like the moisture of your eyeball or the inside of your mouth or the inside of your nose, you know, all these little holes we have that are inside of us, they maintain some type of moisture. Can you imagine walking around trying to hold your eyeball open all the time? You know, how much that would hurt, that would really dry out, if it would dry out. Your wound is the exact same way. You want to keep it nice and moist and warm, and it'll heal faster.
0: So that that's, that's just fascinating. I think just for anybody at home, I, you can, you know, scrapes. I've had my son sliding into second base, playing stinking softball, had no business, didn't have like the proper gear on to be able to do that. And oh my goodness, if you could have seen the wound on his lower leg, it was awful. It was absolutely terrible. And that was what I tried to do. It was just clean it with wound wound wash, you know, mm-hmm. the saline. Good. Just kind of clean it with that. Yes. And then that's what I told him was just to keep it moist. Now, I, you're probably going to be like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. But I, I didn't know what else to do. We just did Neosporin and just like wrapped it with like curlics and, Perfect. you know, just tried to you know and I, and that's why I told him I'm like keep it keep, don't lo, don't let that curlix dry on there mm-hmm. you know just got to keep changing it out that was the best i could do That's no that's perfect you you did the right thing for sure yeah absolutely that's great so whenever someone listens to your podcast, how do you, how is it structured? Do you have like different topics on different types of wound care or how does that work?
1: I do. My my topics range because I have such a wide audience. So some of my topics are on basic wound care, how to clean a wound, how to dress a wound, but some of my topics are also for providers or other nurses. So, how to become certified in wound care, or why to become certified in wound care, or... Oh,
0: yeah, that's good. Right?
1: Or I also have an entire podcast on hyperbaric oxygen therapy and and what it's like, what it means. So, yeah, wide range of topics. I I hope that by reading the title, folks will know whether it's for them or not. You know, again, I'm, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but, you know, if you're interested in learning about certain topics about wound care, but I also... I also delve into nursing. I I delve into the history of nursing and topics like that. So, you know, I I have a just such a wide audience. I try to feed everybody a little bit.
0: (laughs) So. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's good. I'm so glad that you're doing this. I don't know that there's anyone else out there doing wound care. It's definitely, it's, you know, it's very specialized, a little bit obscure, kind of mysterious. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't like, I I think the education that you're providing is very needed. So I I really appreciate you offering that. Thank you. Yeah. It's
1: a fairly new field. Wound care itself, like as a specialty, has really kind of only been around, so to speak, since the 80s or 90s. So it's a fairly new field. And and I hear many a time, I'll hear someone say, I didn't know there was such a thing as a wound care doctor or a wound care nurse. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's how new of a specialty we are. So we're constantly marketing ourselves and introducing ourselves to the public. So a lot of people ask, you know, well, when when do I know to go to a wound clinic or to seek out a wound care provider? And mm-hmm. and my advice is usually, you know, if, if you've tried something for a month, you know, g- give it a month. But if you don't see results, maybe not healed, but if it's not improving in a month, you should probably seek out a specialist. Or if you have a very large wound, over, you know, a large surface area, or if it's on your face and you're worried about the the cosmesis of it, you know, the look of it, there's a lot we can do to reduce the chance of scarring, etc. So that might be a great time to seek out specifically a wound care provider.
0: It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well is there anything else that you'd like for our listeners to know? about your platform or yes. wound care?
1: Yes, so a uh, little bit more about me. I also volunteer on Sundays. Uh, I, I live in a large city, San Antonio. So we have uh, you know, almost 2 million people here. So we do have a large homeless um, population. And so on Sundays, I volunteer at uh, a free medical clinic and I provide free wound care to folks that are either uninsured or even underinsured. And so that's really awesome and pre-med students volunteer there also. So I get to teach the students, you know, wound care basics and together we get to help treat folks who really need it. So that's that's, that's a lot of fun. I really really enjoy doing that. And then also in my spare time, I like to volunteer with the San Antonio Nurses Honor Guard. And we provide free memorial service to nurses who have passed away. We dress up in you know, old-timey. We wear the cape. We wear the, the cap and the white uniform. We present the nightingale tribute. And we give a nightingale yes. lamp to the family. I, I think you um, interviewed Julie Murray at some point. Mm-hmm. If there's not a nurse's honor guard in your city, feel free to get one started. A lot of us are on Facebook. But it's a great service. You know, we nurses we just give 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 don't we you know so
0: <laughs> yes we do
1: right so we've kind of modeled this honor kind of in the same tribute as like a military honor or a police honor because of our nature of service so that's that's our way of giving back to that nurse and and his or her family also because you know again when we're nurses we we bring our work home with us don't we so so the whole family yeah, gets involved. Can't help it. Right, exactly. I do like to do that. My podcast is available on all of the platforms, of course. And I'm on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, just
0: under Wound Care Karen. I'm easy to find. Wonderful. You guys go check out her podcast and follow her on social media. And you know, you can find me at goodnursebadnurse.com. And email me. If I, like, I love it when you guys reach out and send me your stories and give me feedback at, you can, you can email me at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. And I guess that wraps it up for this episode. But of course, I have to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse.